0: Everything I had read talked about real food being expensive. And so I was thinking, no, like this is never going to happen. But the words that came out of my mouth were, sure, I'll try. And uh, lo and behold, a few months into it, making it work. We were eating uh, real food that came from the ground, like produce, fruits, vegetables, uh, healthier meats and we eliminated i would say at the time about 80 percent of the boxes in our pantry which which was huge for us
1: when it came to eating and dieting i couldn't i couldn't do it I interviewed over a thousand women and I said, what did you do breakfast, lunch, and dinner? What did you eat? How'd you do it? If you want to learn how to lose weight for life through intermittent fasting, burn fat and break the bondage of food, then this podcast is for you. I'm Chantelle Ray, author of Waste Away, the Chantelle Ray way. And each week I have different guests answering your questions. Remember the thoughts and opinions in this podcast do not constitute medical advice. Hey guys, welcome to this week's episode. And I'm so excited for today's guest. She is the creator of Don't Waste the Crumbs, a website devoted to helping others eat real food on a real budget. And she's the creator of an amazing video uh, boot camp called Grocery Budget Boot Camp. Welcome, Tiffany. Ter- Tiffany, how do you say your last name? Turzak. Turzak. Tiffany Turzak. Welcome.
0: Thank you for having me.
1: So this is such an exciting episode for me because I will tell you right now, my husband, so we spend, I'm embarrassed to say how much money we spend, but we we spend about anywhere from 600 to 800, sometimes a thousand dollars a week on groceries for our family. And we have a family of four and we go out to eat. So, and we do, safe with me, <laughs> yes, so we buy organic. We do buy everything like really, really clean. And we do have people over a lot. And I do like I always have somebody who like, you know, is having a baby or I'm making meals for. So it's we have a lot where we're giving food to people where I'm making meals. So that equates some of that to that. But still, it's astronomical. So I'm so excited about you helping us try to reduce the cost of everyone's budget. Uh, We can do it. So I know that you took an interesting path to real food. Can you tell the listeners how your journey started and with you just trying to save money on your own natural living for your family?
0: Yeah. So when my husband and I first got married, we both brought a lot of debt to the table, and when we realized we were gonna have a baby, we looked at the numbers and you know, the numbers don't lie. And we had to figure out how to save some money in case I didn't go back to work. And our grocery budget was the only budget line item that had any wiggle room. You know, we couldn't change the mortgage, you couldn't change the car payment. And I know you can do some free creative financing nowadays, but at the time they did And so we looked to the grocery budget Um, and it started out with just saying, okay, this is what we spent last month. Let's see if we cannot go over, and that worked for a long time um, until we had baby number two, and at that point, my husband spoke up and said, hey, can we eat real food? And I'm like, well, you know, what do you mean? We're eating real food, and he's like, no, no, no. We're eating food out of boxes, and it never really clicked uh, what he was talking about because I grew up with my mom making spaghetti from a box. You know, it had the seasoning packet and you just add a can of tomato paste or whatever. Almost everything we ate came from a box. So I didn't know any different. My husband, on the other hand, grew up on five acres and half of which was farm. So he had like tons of fresh produce and for him, real food were carrots that were growing out of the ground. So in order to make our budget work, uh, we had cut back on tons and tons of things, and he said, do you think that we can eat this real food without making the budget go up? Because we were doing really good, paying off our debt and racking up a savings account, and I was like, well, no, I don't know about that. <laughs> I actually was probably not quite that nice <laughs> when I replied back to him, simply everything I had read talked about real food being expensive, and so I was thinking no, like this is never going to happen. But the words that came out of my mouth were, sure, I'll try. And uh, lo and behold, a few months into it, making it work. We were eating uh, real food that came from the ground, like produce, fruits, vegetables, uh, healthier meats. And we eliminated, I would say at the time, about 80% of the boxes in our pantry, which, which was huge for us. And then we, so we got that under control. We started living that way and it became easier. The longer you do it, the easier it becomes. And then I realized uh, about maybe a year later or so that once you start reading the labels on food, you start reading the labels on everything. And so I remember being in the shower, washing my hair, you know, putting the conditioner in. It says leave in one to two minutes. I'm like, well, I got nothing to do. So I'm going to read the labels on the shampoo and conditioner bottles. And I'm looking at these labels and I'm like, I have no idea how to pronounce this. I don't know what this is. And if this was something I was going to eat, I would not eat this. Like if I can't pronounce it, we don't know what it is. We wouldn't eat it. Um, yet I'm putting it on my skin, which absorbs, it's you know, the largest organ in your body. It absorbs all the toxins that are in whatever you put on it. And I'm putting it on my baby's skin. And that was the first time it clicked for, Uh, healthy living as a whole and not just food.
1: Awesome. I love your story because I hear so many people complain that, they can't afford real food. They say, you know, I can't afford to buy organic products or clean products or eating real food that are organic and I feel like you're living proof that it's possible. So if you had to pick your top three tips for listeners on a budget who are trying to switch to natural living, what would it be and why?
0: So my first tip would be to focus on the big stuff. That would be the things you eat most often, the things or the products you use most often. That's going to give you the biggest bang for your buck. So, say you know you make, chicken. say you make chicken on a regular basis. If you focus on getting better chicken, then you're going to make a much better dent in your health than you would be if you focused on buying better. I always use the example of soy sauce because you don't use a lot of soy sauce or very often. So, even if you got the best you could afford, you're not making that big of a dent. And you could say the same thing for maybe shampoo or your body wash or your face soap. These are things you're using at least once a day, sometimes twice a day. So if you start there and just simply get the best you can afford or find a really good DIY tutorial to make it from scratch using natural ingredients like Castile soap or like olive oil and essential oils, that can go really far with both your actual living journey and your budget. So my second tip would be when you're making changes, don't try to change too much at one time because you're going to get overwhelmed and you're going to get frustrated and you're going to want to quit. So for food, I recommend making about one change a week and this doesn't have to be a big change. It could be something as simple as oatmeal that you make on the stove instead of a box of cereal. To me, like that's a change. That's a baby step. It is pointing you in the right direction of, better. When it comes to natural living and the stuff that you're using, body products, I recommend one product a month. Um, And that's simply because it takes us a little bit longer to adjust to that when you're adjusting to um, maybe like a homemade body wash. The consistency is different. uh, The smell is different. We're a little bit more finicky when it comes to the body product stuff. So I recommend one change a month for those. And then tip three is plan, 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 which everybody hates to plan. But the longer I do this, the more I just realize how vital plan is for all of it. You have to plan the budget, plan your meals, plan your shopping trip, even start paying attention to how long something lasts you so that you can plan for that purchase in the future or plan to find a recipe to make it from scratch because I've learned that if you don't plan when you are in the moment of, oh my goodness, I don't have a plan for dinner. What am I going to make? You turn to your old habits. You turn to drive through, you turn to delivery takeout. And when you're running low on laundry detergent and you're like, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? I still have all this laundry. You're just going to send someone to the store or you're going to run out and you're going to get the stuff you used to buy that is not good for you. You're not even in the right frame of mind of, well, I have this recipe or I wanted to try this brand next. You're just in panic. And so planning is essential.
1: Awesome. So in my newest edition of my book, Waste Away, I talk about how people don't have to deprive themselves when it comes to food, but everyone has to decide for themselves. What are their red light, yellow light, and green light foods? Red light meaning like, I'm just not going to eat this because it is just a huge red light for me. But yellow light is like, I don't have it very often, but every once in a while I will. So what are your kind of red light and yellow light foods for you?
0: So red light foods for us um, is going to be anything that has hydrogenated oils and high fructose corn syrup. Those, when we first started eating real food, I had to draw the line somewhere as to what was allowed in the house and what wasn't. And that was the line we drew. So by default, that means we don't drink soda. um, We don't do pizza delivery. We don't do fast food. We don't do candy. None of that's allowed in the house. Um, It also means a lot of processed foods that you wouldn't think of um, containing these ingredients, but they do, like uh, canned peaches has high fructose corn syrup, boxed cereals, frozen meals, and even things like popsicles. So we don't buy any of that. Um, But we do make pizza from scratch, and I do make our own popsicles. So it's not like we can't have those foods, but we don't buy them by any means. Um, Yellow light foods are things like cookies and cupcakes. Because we don't buy them, we make them from scratch. But sugar is so addictive, so addictive, that even when we use a better sugar um, or a natural sweetener, we still want more of it. So it's our yellow light food. We make them from scratch. I have created recipes that are lower in sugar. It's kind of like the verge of the bare minimum amount of sugar you need to make it taste okay (laughs) rather than super, super sweet. Um, And then we also just don't make it like a regular habit in our house. It's, It's truly a treat in our house. And then, you know, we enjoy it when we have it and when it's gone, it's gone.
1: So do you have any of your favorite recipes where you say like, these are like my, let's say your favorite cookies or just your favorite treat where you say, this is my favorite.
0: Yes, um, I'm a huge fan of cut out sugar cookies. We make them at Christmas and I have tinkered with traditional sugar cookie recipes uh, over the years kind of figuring out how much sugar do I need for this to actually turn out into a cookie and not just a blob of butter on a <laughs> baking sheet. Um, so those are my favorite. I also really like this um, peanut butter oatmeal cookie recipe. I have you take or healthier sugar, and you uh, like process it, so it becomes a super fine sugar, and it's just so so good. It totally satisfies that sweet tooth of I want something sweet, but I don't want to feel bad having my something sweet. And because you're using a, a natural sugar, it doesn't um, put you in a sugar coma, and your the addiction trigger um, is a little bit more subdued. So you're not like eating them hand over fist when you make a batch. You're like, okay, I've had a couple the peanut butter fills me up because those healthy, healthy fats that come in legumes and, um, and nuts. Uh, so we like to make those.
1: Awesome. Now I know Halloween's coming up. And so, you know, the kids they're filling up pillowcases with as much candy as possible. Do you have any tricks for, um, the kids as Halloween's coming up for anything that would kind of lower their sugar intake?
0: (laughs) Yes. So, Halloween and Easter, any holiday that involves candy has been a work in progress over the years. My kids right now are 10 and 12. When we first started trick-or-treating, this would be at least five to six years ago. So I don't want anybody listening to think that you can just whip out a change and not expect mutiny in your house because, you know, Halloween is synonymous with all this candy. So when we first started trick-or-treating, we Uh, drew a line at certain types of candy. So, granted, they were little. Anything that was a choking hazard or that was hard, you you simply cannot have that. And remember, we are the parent. We have the ability to tell our kids no. So, I really want to encourage other moms who are listening who feel bad telling their kids no. You have to remember that the kids don't know what's best for them. You know, it might not be fun for a few minutes, but definitely you know, put your foot down and say no to certain things. Well, it would be Jawbreakers, Jolly Ranchers, um, and then anything that was sticky, like caramel or a taffy. Because just honestly, it got stuck in their teeth. And as a mom, it was awful to try to brush their teeth and get it out. So we just said, we're not even going to mess with that. And that really boiled it down to anything with chocolate. We used to have the rule of you could keep about 10 to 15 pieces of chocolate and we let them pick which ones and we would take them and turn them into cookies or turn them into some type of a dessert bar. So it wasn't, what that did is it eliminated the kids thinking that this is my candy. I can go eat my candy whenever I want to have my candy. Instead it became, this is a family treat. And it also, I would say psychologically and literally gave me as the parent a little bit more control because I could say, no, I'm sorry, sweetheart, we can't make cookies this weekend. So I'm not above tricking the kids when it works in their favor. I mean, if you put the candy in a jar in front of their eyes, you're pretty much teasing them all the time. But put it away, out of sight, and they say, mom can we make cookies, and you legitimately say, no, I'm sorry, we can't then you can't make cookies. You know, you're not depriving them, but you're also delaying it so they're going to eat their candy hand over fist. And then over the years, we've reduced the amount that we actually
1: Now, I like how you had on your blog that you can buy back the Halloween candy. Mm -hmm. Um, So talk about that for a second.
0: That was actually a reader's suggestion. I've never actually done that myself. I've looked in my area for different um, dentists and organizations that will will buy back the candy. And I haven't found anybody locally. So that's out there because someone But you
1: can do it yourself. Like you could say, I'll, like you as the parent can say every, I'll buy, you know, five cents for every lollipop and 25 cents for every candy. Oh yes, absolutely.
0: And we've done it too, where the kids have to trade in uh, the bad candy for something that's healthier. Like we'll make homemade peanut butter cups and the kids have to trade in two or three of the candies for one homemade peanut butter cup. And it used to be, you know, for the moms out there, it used to be one-to-one. The kids traded in one piece, we gave them one peanut butter cup. But as we just gradually ate less and less sugar, I was able to say, well, no, you know, if you really want that peanut butter cup, I need, I need two. So we can kind of up the ante as the kids uh, get further in their own natural journey.
1: So the question I ask all my guests is take me through a normal day in the life of Tiffany. Like, what did you eat yesterday? When did you eat it? Did you work out?
0: Yeah. So yesterday was not a normal day. (laughs) Do you want yesterday or do you want a normal day?
1: (laughs) Let's do both. Let's do yesterday and a normal day.
0: Okay. So normally um, I wake up at 5.15, I get breakfast ready and I get lunch ready. I'm not cooking. Usually it's already ready. I've already made muffins or I've already made homemade sourdough bread or something. So I just get it out for the kids. Um, And I'm either in the basement or I'm outside by six o'clock because my exercise, I'm part of an online gym, which is a combination of body weight, weight training, and HIIT routines. So I'll do those in the basement, but I also like to run when it's not too cold. Um, The weather has been just really hit and miss lately. And, uh, I, I knew yesterday I was going to not be running, even though I would normally run on a, um, on a Tuesday, but, um, so I normally run. We take the kids to school. We come back. I have a smoothie for breakfast almost every single day without fail, tons of greens, just a little bit of berries and spinach and some protein powder for lunch. I have a really big salad. I'm really big on eating greens. Like I aim for, ounces of spinach a day and that and that's just breakfast and lunch so between me I'm eating a pound of produce at breakfast a pound of produce at lunch and then there's dinner um, I work I have appointments meetings errands usually during the day I try to bulk all my errands and bulk all my meetings so I can be productive at home and I pick up the kids and as soon as we get home stops and it turns to homework, making sure they're doing their chores, getting dinner ready. It's kind of more family focused as soon as the kids are home from school. Today was just a jam-packed day so um, I've been experimenting with matcha tea lattes. I've been, I really love matcha and I usually just have it plain with water but I was was just in the mood for a latte so I made my own version (laughs) of a bulletproof matcha tea latte was just really, really good. So I had that taking the kids to school and it was so good. I made myself a second one when I got home, but then I wasn't hungry or I was in a meeting until about two. So at two o'clock, I was like, I need to eat something for lunch. Otherwise I'm not going to make it to dinner. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to make bad choices basically in the afternoon. So I had a few pieces of, um, a new recipe that I'm working on and it whole wheat, sourdough, cinnamon raisin bread was the bomb. It was so good. So I had that too. (laughs) And then uh, for dinner, I had made uh, a sheet pan, sweet potato and chickpea Buddha bowls.
1: Awesome. Well, I have a great matcha tea recipe that me and Mama Z, you know, Mama Z, right? Oh, she's so cute. Yes, funny. yes, I have to add that. I'll add that into the show notes and show a great recipe that she taught me how to do that's very low sugar. Oh,
0: wonderful.
1: Yeah, she, her and I made it when she came down to visit. Hey guys, I hope you're enjoying the episode so far, but as you know, I've interviewed over a thousand women and every time I've watched a thin eater eat, I realized that maintaining a healthy weight is a skill that can be taught and mastered over time. That's why I created a video course that will teach you all the tips that I learned to help me lose over 30 pounds. It's way more powerful to watch the thin eaters than even to listen or to read it. Go to ChantalRayWay.com video for a free glimpse. If you're wanting to take yourself to the next level, everyone needs a coach. Every professional player has a coach. We want to come alongside you and help you in your journey. Go to ChantalRayWay.com coaching. I just had someone listen to the audiobook 3 times and she just emailed me and she said by her listening to the audiobook 3 times that's what did it that's what allowed her to really lose the weight. We have an amazing offer for you. It's the second edition of my book which has Tons more information. It has the audiobook, the ebook. It normally runs for $29.99. You can get it today for $4.99. Go to chantelrayway.com slash deal to get it. Now, back to the show. All right, let's jump right into the listener questions. This is from Becca in Portland. I have a two-year-old and a four-year-old, so I'm always cleaning up messes and spills, but I hate using harsh chemicals around them. I'm looking for a natural homemade alternative to disinfect. Any suggestions, Becca in Portland?
0: Yes. So about a year ago, I did a side-by-side testing using protein swab like testing strips to see if vinegar actually cleaned messes. Basically, I took raw chicken, smeared it on my countertop, which I know is really, really gross, but I did it with a vinegar solution and then I cleaned it up with a Castile soap solution. And the vinegar did not clean up the chicken mess while the Castile soap did. So I personally uh, love essential oils. So I have an essential oil-based cleaner but if you don't want to mess with that or go with that route, Castile soap is easy. It's affordable. Um, the only downside is that it can leave what looks like a white residue. It just means that you need when you're done cleaning, you need to wipe it off with a damp cloth. But that's totally safe.
1: Mm. So when I was at Mama Z's house, she told me about this bottle that you can get. And it's it's so cool because it literally, I think I'm going to give it, away to one lucky winner. Um, but what it is, I bought, I bought so many of them and basically it literally tells you how much to put in. So it's like, it says, put this, like you have a line there and it says this much vinegar, this much, um, Castile soap, this much essential oils. And one of the things I did was I just doubled or tripled the essential oils that you're supposed to, because the problem is vinegar like, I think it says to put 24 drops of essential oil, but if you don't double that, then whatever spray you make, it will literally smell just like vinegar. So mm-hmm. you need to make sure that you like double or triple the essential oils in there and then it'll smell good. So
0: yeah. Can I share a little hack with you. Yeah. Smell? So if you take your citrus peels, oranges, limes, lemons, stuff them into a Mason jar, something that has a lid that fits, because if you collect jars, you often have the ones that don't fit, um, and then fill it to the top with vinegar, seal it up, and just put it in like a dark cabinet or what, just, just somewhere out of reach for about two to four weeks. Then your vinegar will smell like the citrus that you put in there, and it's still just as powerful vinegar, but it doesn't have that, that, that that's it. You guys know what I'm talking about, that smell that comes with vinegar. It smells like lemon or it smells like.
1: So, you, lemon. okay, so let me repeat back what you said. So, you can just get a jar, yeah. take the vinegar, um, and then just put peel the orange and then just put the peel, all the peel inside the vinegar. Yes. This is awesome. Yeah. I love that idea.
0: And then you get rid of that smell. And then, I mean, obviously, you can still use as much essential oils as you want.
1: But you're saving money.
0: Right, right.
1: Ooh, because essential oils are not cheap. Even the ones (laughs) that are are not cheap. Um, Do you have a certain brand that you use for essential oils that kind of helps with cost?
0: I use Young Living oils because I I just really, I feel like I can stand behind the quality, the seed to spill promise. Um, I know that everyone is just not, not everyone's on board with choosing certain companies and that's fine too. I just tell everybody to do your research. When it comes to oils, you want to make sure you know where they're coming from because um because they're so concentrated that if there's pesticides or chemicals used in the harvesting process, those can end up in your oils as well, which kind of is the purpose of using them so.
1: Mm. All right. This is from Dana in Cincinnati. I'm trying to cut down on my kids' sugar intake, but they love sugary cereals for breakfast and things like fruit snacks and granola bars for snacks. Are there any lower sugar, healthier versions, or is there a way that I can make them a healthier breakfast at home?
0: Absolutely. So on my blog, don'twastethecrumbs.com, I have a ton of recipes like granola bars and breakfast things that. Uh, our family picky eater tested and approved, and we just like they're staples in our own house. So you can definitely make them from scratch. One of the first steps that I took when I was trying to wean my kids off of sugary breakfast stuff was I didn't aim to cut back on the sugar. I just aimed to make it myself. So for example, um, oatmeal packets. Those you know, Quaker oats instant oatmeal packets. My kids love the cinnamon brown sugar which as the name suggests, brown sugar is one of the key ingredients and that's probably what makes it taste so good. But I figured if I could simply take Quaker Oats and cinnamon and brown sugar and do it myself, then I can control the amount of brown sugar. So I made that myself made the amount of brown sugar and once they liked it, then I started reducing the amount of sugar from there. So we have to remember that if our kids are used to sugary things and we want to get them off, you, you can't go from, you know, a delicious coffee cake, sugar laden coffee cake to kale. It's, it's too, too big of a contrast, especially for kids because they're going to just straight up tell you this is bad. They're not going to eat it. And then you got the mommy guilt. So kind of have to meet them where they are. If they're in the sugary breakfast, just try making it yourself and then you can gradually make it with less sugar. That's so much easier than trying to find less sugar alternatives that you buy because you'll inevitably, it's gonna to cost too much or they're still gonna to have too much sugar and it's just not worth it in the end. You can just you can just make a lot of these yourself with some really good solid recipes.
1: Mm. All right, this next one is from Mackenzie in Houston. I'm trying to cut down on sugar, but I love baking. My favorite things to make are banana bread, cookies, and muffins. So I need a healthy but tasty sugar substitution. Any suggestions?
0: Yes, so I love to bake too. For me, baking is more about actually baking than eating it. I like to eat it too, but I love to bake. So my suggestion is to cut back on the amount of sugar you're using. Usually, most recipes, you can easily take out a quarter cup of granulated sugar without even missing it in the recipe. So I would start there. Next time you make it, take out a quarter cup, eat it, see how you like it. And then the next time you make it, take out a half a cup. So it's like two quarter cups. And you keep going at that rate until you get to the point where you're like, uh, I don't really like it as much. So then you go back, just one baby step, And and that's kind of where you settle on your recipe. So let's say, for example, the recipe calls for a cup of sugar. At that point, you can substitute honey and maple syrup at a 50-50 ratio for granulated sugar in quick breads and in muffins. Now this- Okay,
1: say that one more time. What's the substitution? Honey and maple syrup. And
0: it's a 50-50 split. You can do all maple syrup. You can do all honey. But I have found that when you do all honey, you can really taste the honey flavor and you don't necessarily want that in all of your baked goods. So 50 split works best.
1: So uh, you're saying if it asks for one cup of sugar, right? Then, mm-hmm. what, then you could just put half a cup of honey and half a cup of maple syrup yeah. and it'll be the same.
0: Yes, in muffins and quick breads. Okay. But now when it comes to cakes, and cookies, those are a little bit different because sugar does have a baking property and it's really comes through in cakes and cookies. And this is where you want to still cut back on the amount of sugar you're using until you get to the point where it's like, it's just sweet enough for you. And then you increase the quality of your sugar. So you might go from white granulated sugar to turbinado sugar, that's a baby step. And then you might go from turbinado to Uh, coconut sugar. And then you might go from coconut sugar to maple sugar. You just kind of slowly make your sweeteners a better quality. And that is easier on the budget because you have already decided early on just to use less in the first place. So it's not like you're, you're buying expensive sugar and then using a whole lot of it. You're buying the nicer sugar and using less in each other.
1: So you're saying in cakes and cookies, you can't do the honey and maple syrup. You just need to get a better quality of sugar instead of substituting it for the honey and maple syrup. Is that right?
0: Generally speaking, yes. Okay, got if want, it. If you want a cake or a cookie that does not have granulated sugar at all, you're gonna have to find a recipe that was created for that because they're liquid. I mean, it's like it's like taking a cup of flour out of your cookie recipe and adding a cup of water. It's just gonna be really thin and you're not gonna get that poof and consistency of a cookie you want. So it's a little trickier.
1: Okay, next question, Jen in Dover. I'm trying to cut down on pasta and greens, but I make a lot of pasta and white rice because they're cheap and quick and my kids are super picky. What are some other quick but quick and filling things I could cook instead of pasta that my kids will actually eat?
0: Okay, so if you asked me this question, six years ago, I would do an answer and say, change brown rice, you can do potatoes and sweet potatoes, other root vegetables like carrots or quinoa, whole grains like quinoa or millet. Um, but as I've learned over the years, it's not so much things that are filling because Sure, we can give our kids white rice and white pasta, but those foods don't have a lot of nutrients. Nutrient foods is what actually fills the belly. It's not a volume, so to speak. It's, it becomes a quality. When they're babies and are nursing or they're on formula, it is very much volume. Babies just, they go until it comes right back up because that's a volume thing. But beyond that, it becomes a, like a quality. So. If you were to feed your kids more quality foods, more fruits and vegetables, um, better quality meats, they're you'll find that they're not asking for as much food because their bodies aren't needing more food, they're getting satisfied on the nutrient side. does that does that make sense?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it does. So talk to us a little bit about what are some more hacks. Like I love that example that you gave with the orange peels and lemon peels and putting that in the vinegar, now you're using a lot less essential oil. Give us some more hacks that are really good that people can really save money on that you'd share with people.
0: Sure. So a really easy hack is to um, what I call make a smoothie container and a soup container. So you can take uh, like a yogurt tub, an empty yogurt tub, and with a Sharpie right on their smoothie or right on their soup, one goes in the fridge, one goes in the freezer. If you have anything left over that would remotely taste good in a smoothie, and is really applicable to those with little kids who uh, like you give the, the kid a half of a banana, they take a bite and they walk away. Or you have a half of an apple, half of a peach. You just seem to have all these random pieces of leftover food in your smoothie container. And then the next morning. Blend it all up, you know, add some milk or some almond milk, maybe some greens and other produce you need to actually get you a full smoothie. But those odds and ends in your smoothie container can easily become smoothies. You can also blend them with a little bit of coconut water or almond milk and you can make popsicles or you can make, uh, they're, they're called like ice pops. You know, the, those really bright in color, like I think they're called freeze ease ice pops. We probably all had them as a kid. You can make a similar one, but all it is 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 fruits and vegetables and healthy things, and the kids love that. Now, for the foods that wouldn't taste good in a smoothie, like the root vegetables, um, broccoli, that type of thing, you put it into the soup container. And when that is full, you take chicken bones, and by the way, save all your chicken bones, like even if you've eaten off of them, sounds gross, but trust me here save all your chicken bones, and then you take your soup bucket and you make homemade chicken stock, or you can make homemade vegetable stock. If you buy chicken stock, the cheapest price I've seen lately is like 50 for a quart. And if you're feeding a family of four, so there's four of us, and my kids are in elementary school, I have to use two quarts of chicken stock every time I make a pot of soup just to feed the four of us for dinner and get lunches for the next day, so we're looking at four five dollars of chicken stock. If I use my own chicken bones and I use all my scraps from my vegetables, I can make chicken stock for, food. and I actually make. It comes out to be about two and a half gallons of chicken stock, using the scraps and the bones. So I'm saving what is that?
1: That's
0: four eight. You're
1: saving a lot of money. (laughs) Yeah, you're saving a lot of money. (laughs) I
0: mean, it comes out to $20 to $30 in just chicken stock.
1: That's awesome. Well, thank you so much for being on today's show. Tell listeners where they can find out more about you and follow your work.
0: Sure. So I blog regularly at don'twastethecrumbs.com. We share family-friendly, picky eater-approved recipes, meal planning tips, Natural living tutorials and also grocery shopping hacks there at the blog. If you need a little bit more help, like maybe you've been doing this for a little bit or you're just completely overwhelmed, I have a course called Grocery Budget Bootcamp, and that's at grocerybudgetbootcamp.com. And we literally hold your hand from step one all the way to the end, and so you come up the other side with a strategy to go grocery shopping, to to buy the food you want to eat on a budget
1: that you can afford. Awesome. Uh, We open
0: for two times a year on that one.
1: That is so good. Well, thank you so much for being with us. You've been an amazing guest and your website is amazing. So many great tips. Um, You just could spend hours on there. So, and I'm excited to try some of your, some of your amazing recipes. And we are going to give away one of those spray containers. So if you visit our Facebook page, you can visit that and, and maybe you can try the tip that you gave of putting those orange peels in the vinegar. That's great. Absolutely. And if you have a question that you want answered, go to questions at chantelrayway.com. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye.